Well, we're back to another episode of the Pig Wrestling Podcast. The Pig Wrestling Podcast is powered by our wonderful sponsor, Sync Cloud, and it's available in the cloud. Where's it available, Paul? <laughs> the cloud I'm learning, iTunes, Spotify, Anchor, to name but a few, and on our Pig Wrestling Podcast blog. The Pig Wrestling Podcast is based on a book by Pete Lindsay and Mark Bowden. It's a simple way to solve any problem and create change you need. Well, good afternoon, um, Nigel. Yeah, Hello, good, good afternoon. It is afternoon for me. Not um, for you guys. We, just to sort of kick off, Nigel, I know we just spoke about Paul. Paul normally does like a bit of digging. and You, you won't know being an Australian. Um, we used to have a thing over in the UK called Fantasy Football. But not the football you know, football with a round ball that you kick. I think you call it <laughs> soccer. Um, yeah. And there used to be a guy on there called Stato who does a bit of digging. So Paul's done a bit of digging um, to introduce you. So Paul, fire away. Right. Um, afternoon, Nigel. Morning, Leon. Um, right. This week's guest is Nigel Moore from Down Under. He's seriously addicted to helping people start, run, grow, fun and profitable businesses. Nigel is a father, husband, entrepreneur. Currently running Teeth Capital and Tech Tribe, and both founded in 2016. Formerly running successful managed IT service businesses, um, which Leon, you speak highly of um, about Nigel regarding this. But I thought this was a quite a good question to kick off on, especially in these unprecedented times uh, that we're in currently. In 2008, Nigel. Um, was in $50,000 in debt, global financial crisis beckoning, and he was just start, he just starting, and through a series of unfortunate events, he found himself running his own technical business. So, technology business, sorry. So, Nigel, fire away. Tell us a bit about that. It's, it's a funny time to start a business, right? Right in the middle of a, a global financial crisis. However, I was so young and dumb back then that I had no idea that that was even happening on a macro level. So I had all of this debt that I had kind of accrued over the past couple of years while I was in um, working for another business. And uh, and then, as you just mentioned, one day I kind of found myself with my own business and I was sitting on my dining room table with this dodgy old laptop, 50 grand in credit card debt. So it was high interest debt as well. And uh, a global financial crisis sitting there in the macro wings and uh, tried had to try and figure out how to get something up and running. And uh, it was a whirlwind couple of years, let me tell you. But uh I made it through somehow. I don't know how. And I think, I think, I think Nigel, the, the interesting bit is, um, is I've been a big fan of the work you do with the tech tribe. Um, and, you know, my own little journey recently, I, I, I was mad enough to get into IT um, two years ago. <laughs> um, I actually chose to get into the industry, which most people <laughs> will say I'm mad. Um, Paul, you're just going through, um, as we would call it, a crap storm at the moment. Um, Paul yes. started a business um, yes. recently, which has been going well. Right in the middle. <laughs> right in the middle. And we thought, you know, um, given our listeners, you know, a lot of our listeners, you know, won't necessarily know who you are. Um, but what I just like to sort of introduce and give Nigel, you know, a big pat on the back is Nigel has got a, a, an online community called the Tech Trap. Um, and it's where a lot of business owners will run different um, managed services companies, like IT companies, like, like I run. Um, and he's just got a community, um, which the only way I can sort of liken it, Paul, to give you an insight is, do you know the way yeah. we've got Andy's Man Club and we're all together and we're a band of brothers and we help each other out? And yeah. it's exactly like that. So when you don't know where to go, um, it comes up with like a game changer, like a resource or that one little nugget that just goes, I get it, I get it. <laughs> um, 
So I think, Nigel, it would be really good. Um, obviously, you've grown successful businesses. Um, you consult, you, 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 wear, you, you know, you, you've got a, a tribe of, I, mean, I don't know how many people you have in your tribe at the minute, but there's a, there's About a, a thousand and, users in there now. And all intelligent people, all helping each other for, for the greater good. And um, I think just start to kick off and, and really kick before we get into our, our, our Ten Commandment questions. Um, let's dig into that sort of, that fair sort of, you know, pivot you did in 2008 and, and talk us through that a bit more. Yeah, so 2008, I, I was actually working for another managed service provider uh, for the, the couple of years before that. And uh, and through a crazy turn of events, I ended up, as I said, like sitting on my dining room table with it running for myself. And so I wasn't thinking pivot. I wasn't thinking GFC. I wasn't thinking anything. I was just thinking survive. I now just need to survive. And so I'd kind of, I, I always knew that I wanted to run my own business. I'd started a couple back in the late um, 1990s and they failed. And I think I was probably up to four or five businesses that failed. And then I went and uh, worked for a couple of other jobs. And uh, But I always knew I wanted to start my own. And so this branching out and having my my own business on my dining room table that day was me backing myself into a corner that I knew I had to fight out of. And us humans, we are smart, uh, intelligent beings when it comes to that. We will fight our way out of whatever if it means our own survival, if it's for our own survival. And that's what I did for those next couple of years was just fight for the survival of of my independence in my own business and uh, getting this business up and running in it and essentially put blinkers on me. I didn't see that there was a GFC happening and I didn't see all this stuff. I just thought I've got to get some money in the door. I've got to help people. I've got to serve people and I've got to, I've got to figure out this crazy thing called business for myself now because I'm not living at home with the parents anymore and I'm, I'm out in the world and I've got to, I've got to get this thing happening. And so, so there was no pivot. It was literally just blinkers on, make money, in this managed or this IT support world, as much money as I possibly could to at least survive and start to pay off some of my debt, and uh, and then it wasn't until about a decade and a, a yeah decade later after that 2008 where I sold my business. 2016, uh, I ended up selling that business. So it was eight years later, and uh, pivoted into the the business that I've got now, which is the tech tribe that you talk about. Yeah, and I think and I think and I think Paul, um, when we was just talking off air. Um, we couldn't have had a better person to, to get on, the better man on here than Nigel, because I think what, what I found so inspirational, Nigel, is um, you, you sort of use Tech Trab to just, um, I, I'm a big believer, I'm like you, I like carrying my journals and I like to get yeah. it out my head and, um, you know, just, yeah, we're, just we're, we're a big fan of them, aren't we? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, I, I am now 1,500 days in a row with journaling, I think, and I haven't missed a day, something like that. Which is, which is incredible. And um, I, I was just saying to Paul, you know, um, I think ideas, I, I look at your tech tribe and, and it's just a series of um, lessons. You keep sharing the yeah. lessons. You learn. <laughs> I think, all the mistakes I made. <laughs> yeah, but, but I think that's what I think is what I really like uh, us as humans. Um, we're born to collaborate, aren't we, I believe. Yeah, 100%. And, it's in our DNA that we want to collaborate, um, we, and, and that's why we survive so much um, as we have as a race, haven't we? And I think what's even more so, what, what I, the reason I love tech um, is I love people, and I love tech because I'm not very good with tech, um, and tech allows me to be more smarter than I actually am. And, you know, and, and I think <laughs> the problem, you, Paul, I mean, you was delivering to IT Nation to 50 people, mental health training, weren't you? Um, Last week, I, I've I've said to Leon for the last year and a half because we've been working together a bit more closely in the last year and a half. I'm no good with technology. I can't do this, that, and the other. Well, last week I was delivering um, how to cope under the 
coronavirus to with employees uh, to business owners 50 business owners I delivered till last week um and I said I can't do tech I was helping <laughs> employees in Albania and France last week um and I was talking to people in America and then Leon got me the next day and said Paul I thought you said you was no good with tech and I said <laughs> well I'm not well what was you doing then yesterday uh, so technology has enabled me to in these unprecedented times and lockdown and what we're going through now i'm actually able to communicate and help people globally it's what i'm doing and i'm doing it again next week so it's been fantastic what whilst it's not ideal that we're in lockdown and you can't go meet people this is the closest thing and it's given us the opportunity to speak to you nigel where before um we, pro we probably want to do it. Could you imagine if this scenario happened? Could you imagine if this happened two decades ago? How oh, disconnected yeah. we would be as a society? Yeah. And, and, this, and, and this is where I think, you know, in at the minute, and I don't know how you think on this, and I'd like to explore a little bit with you, Nigel, is um, this is a, an absolute, as I call it, a shitstorm, you know, and, and it's not cool. It's not cool in any shape or form. But... I don't know if this is just my coping mechanism, but when 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 shit's bad, I have to just use what I can do and focus on yes. all the good. It's the, only way, it's the only way I can get through it and look yeah. at is there an opportunity? Is there this? What can we do? Um, but talk us through what's your thoughts like that because you know people don't know you. Um, how do you get through that type of thing? Hundred percent. And so many years ago, I used to before I would say that I was aware of mindset and how much our, our minds are important in, in terms of our, our journey, I, I would um, I would not understand this stuff. And nowadays what I see is, is there's stuff that I can control and there's stuff I can't control. And when there's something I can't control, I never, ever, ever get wrapped up in, in dealing with it, worrying about it, con being concerned with it or whatever. I keep it in my peripheral vision so that I can just keep an eye on what things are happening. But when there's something like this, this shit storm, as you call it right now happening, it, I can't feel bad about it because I can't do anything about it. It's nothing that I caused. I, I hope I didn't cause it, <laughs> nothing that I caused. And so all I can focus on is what I can control. And I can control how I respond to this scenario and I can control how I look at this scenario and I can control whether I go and look for the negative or I can control whether I go and look for the opportunities out there. And for me, we're in a very strong space at the moment in terms of our business and our personal life. So for me, I could go out and go, oh, this is negative. Our business is going to reduce a little bit. And we've put all this hard work in over the last couple of years to get it to this point. Where are we going to lose 15, 20% of the business? Or I can choose to say, hey, we're grateful that we're in this amazingly comfortable position. We're going to lose a little business. But how about we take our position as a way to go and inspire others and help others and give back to others out there to help to elevate them as well? Because as you said before, we're all a tribe. And we're all a, a connected group of humans. And the more we can help each other out, the easier we get through these particular things. And so for me now, I look at these things and go, where are the silver linings? Where are the things that I can spot some opportunity to help some other people or spot some opportunity to pivot a little bit and maybe figure out a way to position our business in a better spot to be able to, again, help more people. Uh, and yeah. for me, that's how I go through these nowadays. And, and, and I think that's what we were just talking about off air, weren't we, Paul, in terms of uh, even at the other side, you know, um, trying to motivate yourself when it really is, you know, we were talking about trying to make payroll, making sure your yeah. customers are yeah. happy. Um, Paul, you're looking at the other side of it. You've only just recently started um, and it was all going successfully um, when you were delivering in front of people physically. Um, <laughs> and then all of a sudden you're not able to see anybody. Um, 
Well, I I thought I'd make it really hard for myself, and I'd I'd coincide the date of the launch with lockdown. I want to make it really interesting. Yeah, and I and again, I always keep saying, I think, I think linking back into that, if it was easy, this this life, it'd be no fun. And I'm, yeah, exactly right. So struggles yeah, is what defines us, right? And these, yeah. the how we respond in these moments is what our true character is. Yeah, and it yeah. shows the true character of people. Yeah, love that. And and I've, been, I've been using the last week or two as well. Over the years, I've learned valuable experiences with what we do in the community. And I've been using that experience of the last two weeks to help companies, um, giving some free content away and just yeah. helping them. If I can help a guy who's in quarantine in Albania because he's suffering mentally, if I can give him a few insights um, through using this technology and helping other people, um, at the end of it, it'll come good. Uh, we, always, we always say it'll come good. It's a goodwill investment. Yeah, investment. And I do it because I'm passionate about it. It's not a job for me anymore. Um, I've had a job. I was in production for 32 years, and I ain't supposed to say it. We don't talk about it anymore. We've done that. <laughs> what I do now is a passion of mine, and and I'm sure you two working in technology, uh, man's mental health. I I want to create well-being for businesses and for people. Um, you two are passionate about technology, and like I say. Leon with technology, me and mental health are putting together, and it's been it's been a good <laughs> but journey. I, but I think if, I think if anything, I think linking back though, I think um, all businesses and, and, and you 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 are fundamental on this. I and um, all businesses are people businesses, regardless regardless what you're selling. Um, it's yeah. all about um, adding value in unique ways and helping people and. Um, that's that's the, that's the business we're in out. We're in a people business. But to kick 100%. off, to kick off, to get you into our ten commandments, um, I'm going to go with um, one of our first sort of questions, so we can learn more about them. You know, the man from okay. down under. Um, so I want to know what what are one to three books that that you've read that have greatly sort of changed or influenced your life. Oh, we're we're on a, a podcast about mental health, so I can't go past mentioning "Man's Search for Meaning" by Viktor Frankl. Uh, I'm sure you guys have either heard of it or have read it. Uh, phenomenal book, and it's and it's very pertinent in the current times, right? Because it's it's going through how the the writer went through Auschwitz and how he handled going through uh, living in in concentration camps and how his mindset went through that and what he what he was able to do to maintain his optimism going through that. And so, in the mental health space, that was a big one for me. Uh, another one, and um, that was one of my favorites when I first kicked off the journey around meditation. So. For context, I've I think I'm up to somewhere. It's about it's the same number of days as um, journaling every day. It's about fifteen hundred days in a row, or somewhere thereabouts, uh, where I've done daily meditation. And the the book that kicked that off was a book called Ten Percent Happier uh, by a guy. I think it's Dan Harris or Sam Harris, one of the two. And uh, great book because it just it, it gets rid of all the woo woo behind the word meditation and just dives into the, the real results that you can see from it and that was a book that kicked me off on my journey of going ah this thing's i've heard about it sounds a bit too woo woo for me but this book has kind of brought it back to to life for me let me go and play a little bit let me go and try and run some experiments and and see how things go and that kind of kicked off my meditation journey as well and so those two books are probably top of my list in in the mental health space and i think and i think linking back on on on, on, and looping on both of them because both of them 
uh, phenomenal books. I think Victor Franklin, if, if I take that right, for listeners who haven't seen that. Frankel. Uh, Frankel, yeah. He, he was locked in, um, you know, a concentration camp with nothing, you know, everything that could go wrong, um, going wrong, wasn't it? Um, yeah, horrible. Yeah, just just not good in any sort of shape or form for him. Um, and I think if he can find meaning in that sort of space, um, I think it's yeah. possible for anybody, isn't it? And I think that's what um, I took from that. And I think, yeah. I think phenomenal space. Um, and it puts things in context in terms it's of what perspective, right? Yeah, exactly. It gives us context and perspective. And we can yeah. we all deal with our own challenges. Every single one of us has got our own challenges. And in in our own context, they're all strong challenges. They're all big challenges, right? In our own context. And this, for me, helped me put my struggles and my challenges into a bigger context and thinking, hey, well, mine actually aren't that bad. They might be causing me pain and I'm going through all this stuff, but I just didn't have a point of reference to compare them to as well. And so once I started being exposed to other points of reference of other people that were going through bigger, different, stronger struggles than what I was, I went, hang on, Nigel, pull your finger, like kick yourself on the bum. You've got it pretty easy here. Go out and do some good in the world and don't get caught up in this 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 negative cycle that you were caught up in and it kind of was a great kick in the rear end for me when i first read that one and i think i think linking that back again because um i sometimes get told off a little bit too much at uh, man club or anyone who speaks to me i I'm a, I'm a huge fan of meditating and it's, i think it's a passion me and you share um yeah and, and just sort of like getting into that because you, you mentioned a word that um sits real true with me in terms of the word woo woo um you know <laughs> i love that word as well in in terms of um Talk people through, you know, um, why it's so important for you in terms of meditation. And just to sort of put a context on that, um, I've gone straight about, I'm, I'm up to about 800 days, right? But Awesome. But I would say, though, just a bit of context on this, is the last two weeks, I've not done it. Um, right. This morning again, I did it again, and I got back into my space. Um, I was having one of them bits where, in my little journey, is if I have to do it, I'm attached to it. Yes. Yeah. 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 I'm like, right. I'm just gonna let it go. Like, I was like, yeah, which is great. good. Which is good. But then, yeah, I gotta tell if you. you Notice the difference. Then it's. I gotta tell you. This morning, me and Paul, you know, because we're going through a, a shitstorm like we talk about. Yeah. Right? yeah I was yeah. giving Paul my opinion this morning after just meditating, and I felt complete the way thought Paul was communicating to me. I hadn't shared this with him until just now. What Paul was speaking to me about, I'd just worked through 15 minutes ago prior to get myself to the space to be looking at it from an opportunity rather than I'd, everything Paul was projecting back at me. I'd, I'd gone into this thing earlier, like, this is shit, this is crap, everything's yeah. crap. And and for me, it just allows me to just get my brain and someone shakes me by my feet and and, and then the real... <laughs> the, the, the real this is the reset button. Yeah, yeah, I stopped being a dick. Um, <laughs> so explain to someone who's not into meditating or um, and people who say, it's not for me, I can't do it. Because um, if you've done 1,500 days straight, you'll have been through all them dips and all that negative self. Oh, yeah. that told you, you can't <laughs> do it. Talk yeah, us yeah. So, so to me, so obviously a lot of us, when we think of woo-woo, especially me initially when I first um, heard of meditation and thought of the woo-woo side of it, is you think that, it's all about Buddha sitting on a hill with his his hands like this and um, sitting cross-legged in a way that I can't sit and um, and chanting or whatever it might be. But for me, it's it's nothing like that. For me, it is literally just a way for me to be able to like like we train our muscles in our arms. It's a way, way for me to train my brain. And 
to train my brain to be aware because quite often most of us go through life in an extremely unaware state and i was a horrible proponent of that i would go through life where i'd, I'd sit there one day and I'd go hang on i didn't even have one aware thought over the last six months just life just happened to me and i wasn't in control of it i was completely out of control of it and so so for me meditation has given me back a lot of control in my life and what I, what the analogy i like to use is it's given me literally a split second and what that means is that every time a scenario happens to me or something happens to me instead of just reacting to it i've now got that extra split second to respond to it instead and be intentional about my response and to me that is huge because it means that i can go through life aware enjoying life choosing what i want to do rather than just reacting from a primal primeval primordial subconscious state which is where most of our brains 90 it's between 95 and 97 percent of the time we're operating from that subconscious reptilian part of our brain which is just caring about keeping us alive when when we can spend more time in that that conscious aware state from the the front prefrontal cortex part of our brain we can have an amazing life we can choose things that are, are more fun we can we can see the, the the amazing stuff that's happening around us even though we might not be feeling some of it we can we can get that choice to to step up and open our eyes and look out at different things and so for me that that millisecond is one of the biggest things that it gives me. It just keeps me realizing through all of my days of, hey, there's a millisecond. Let's re react to this thing rather than responding to this thing and, and do it in an intentional way. And, and I think, Paul, you can see the way he's taken something that I've, I've tried to explain it to him for years. There you go. That, it's very <laughs> complicated and simplifies it. And I think, I think the, the point you make there, though, um, I've, I've said for years, I feel it's like a superpower. Um, Yes. Me being, in, being intentional um, and not being mind-led, as I call it. And we were talking, what we call it, I always talk about um, there's only two emotions in the world. We talk about it's a man club, everything, don't I? And I say there's either fear or there's yeah. love. And, 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 and any of the any other emotions, I want you to wrap up in one of them. And any time I've ever come from a place of fear, nothing good happens. Nothing oh, good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> nothing good, right? But our brain, because we're going to that survival mode. Correct. It's all about what am I getting, not what I'm becoming in it. And, it, and, it, and, Correct. It, and it's difficult. What do you think listening to us both go off on, Paul, there? I, I totally agree with both of you, what you're talking about. And I was coming from a place of fear this morning. Um, and and, it, and it, it, you, you've wrapped up why. I've, I've tried meditating. I haven't meditated. I do. When I do meditate, I just haven't been consistent with meditation. Yeah. Um, but when I do meditate, it does make you aware. It even makes you aware of just how you breathe. Correct. And yeah. I, I've done it when I meditate, and you feel like your heart's coming out your chest. But you don't <laughs> sit there in peace for that long day to listen yeah. to yourself. You notice know this whole thing in life, right? Which we yeah, miss. You know most things, yeah. And, but I'm not. I can't say I'm like you to 800 days and 1500 days because I'm not. I do it intermittently, but I do tend to use my meditation or the way I try and refocus myself is I've got a dog. I put my headphones on and I'll go for a 40 minute walk with my dog and I'll I'll reset. I play my I play my tunes and I come back. I might go out in a foul mood or I might not feel so good, but when I come back, it puts me right so i use that and that is a form of meditation right 
Yeah, yeah because that, you're not you're not you're not sitting on a hill like Buddha with his arm legs crossed, but yeah. that's a form of meditation, right? Well, like me, like me, 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 just in my pants with a with a loincloth on and um, <laughs> um, I'm joking, but that, that that's my form of meditation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what I do it. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, and you know, the, so sorry, so no, so no. the other thing that um it does for me is my brain goes a billion miles an hour. And, and Leon, just speaking to you now, I suspect you're very similar to me that we're always thinking a trillion thoughts a minute. And I, I'm sure if I, I got tested for ADHD, I would be pretty high on the spectrum. And uh, and I've been like that my whole life. My brain was always going and always going. And what this has also done, like my meditation practice has also done, it's just helped me calm that down and not sure too. It hasn't calmed it down completely. And I think that's still good because having a, a hyperactive brain helps me go and create and do what I do. But it's helped me calm it down to a level where it doesn't turn into anxiety and it doesn't turn into anything deeper than that, which it used to back in the past when I when I had no control over my emotions whatsoever. Yeah. When I was looking when I was looking at your some details for you, Nigel, when I was preparing for the podcast today, when I was reading about you, it was like you two together. <laughs> when you said you and Leon, I thought, well, that's Leon as well, and that's Leon as well. And I'm, I'm, the, only, the only difference is that I've got a big shit storm to get out of, so we'll we'll, we'll, we'll see. Um, and I'm, but luckily, because I've got Nigel's book to open, right, so I'm, I'm, I'm on it. I'm on it. Um, so linking into this next one, um, hit him with the next question, Paul. Come on, hit him with the next one. Right. What is your feel-good song or music that gets you focused or makes you happy? Oh, I've got so much, so much. Um, for me, there's a few different ones. So I've, I've actually got this song, uh, and I'm a nerd, so you'll understand this one. There's this used to be this movie, or there was this movie many, many, many years ago called Hackers, which had Angelina Jolie. It was one of her first movies. And uh, and there's this song in it uh, called Halcyon and On by Orbital. And uh, that is one of the, when I first watched this movie, I was, whatever, 15, 16 at the time, and I was a want-to-be hacker back then. And I had my Linux box at home and all sorts of stuff. And uh, and when I just watched this movie, it just took me to a space where I just went, man, like I can do anything or I can I can achieve whatever the hell I want like these guys are doing here. And so nowadays, I even nowadays, when I go on a flight, I still play that song because it's a deep trigger for me to, to bring a certain type of emotion into my world. So that one is, is a certain one. Um, for me, when I'm in work and I want to get into a flow state, in some sort of flow state, I go pretty deeply into... Uh, certain types of of deep house or deep trance as well, where I, with no lyrics, where they're just sitting on in the background, and uh, and there's some some DJs that I'll just I've got some favorite sets that I'll just have sitting going to the side where they put me into a flow state, and I know I can knock out an hour and a half of deep work with zero interruption, knowing that that music is there, and it's music's all a trigger, right? We've all got these different, yeah. we've got olfactory triggers, we've got touch triggers, we've got hearing triggers, uh, we've got smell triggers. I have a certain smell that puts me into certain states, and so I've I use smells as well. I use lighting. I use audio. Uh, and some of those songs, depending on what they are, will put me into a certain type of flow state or a state where I know that it's my way to dig myself out of a rut if I'm having a bad day or it's a way to to just get myself into a focus session if I am. And so I use a lot of those triggers. And they, you mentioned before well, off air, Leon, um, about the NLP space. And that that comes from the NLP space is grabbing these triggers that we can we – can, um, we can there's a word for it i can't remember the word now but we can um we can trigger something against certain feelings or certain um certain different like whether we smell it or touch it or see it or or feel it and i think linking back into that paul when we talk about nlp um is you is it neuralistic um neurolinguistic programming there you go Train, okay. training all this gray mushy stuff up yeah, in yeah. here and, and paul i always go back to right 
you know, I, I always talk about you being one of the first leaders in my life. Um, is you used to do that to us when? So when we, you're, you're a rugby league fan, aren't you? You're the proper rugby now, you like you like proper rugby. Um, you know, yeah, if you're a player, they do like proper yeah, rugby. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I, I don't. My sport is business. <laughs> business yeah, yeah. Is circus, that's it. Yeah. We're gonna head over that way, and we're gonna go see. Um, I'm gonna Nick. I'm gonna come and see you one day. I'm gonna come and see. Um, I'm gonna go over there. We're gonna go see um, State of Origin out with Paul. We're a big rugby league fan. Oh. Um, but I think back to NLP, where I'm going with this is your analogy, Paul. Of in 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 rugby, we used to have to tackle Nigel, right? And the player with the traditionally in rugby, the player who's got the ball, the team that's got the ball is going to win because the more ball they've got. So Paul reverse engineered this years ago when he was like 15, and you made us all do what Paul? You know, talk us through what you used to do to us, Paul. I used to make us enjoy defending um, because I used to believe that if we got our defence right in the game, that our attack would just follow anyway. And so when other teams used to drop the ball or lose the ball, I used to see their heads go down. So I tried to reverse it with my team that when we did lose the ball and we enjoyed defending, it would pick our it would pick us up. Yeah, So that's a reframe, right? Yeah, so I, I just turned it on, on the lads and I didn't know years ago what I was doing. I just, it was a gut feeling that I just wanted to reverse psychology. Yeah. So when other teams used to be dropping their heads, we'd be picking it up. And then, it, now, to put it in context, we would be cheering, we would be whooping, we would be hollering, and we would be like, we love defending, right? Yeah, but put, yeah. to put it in the context, we would train in wind, rain, and, and all we would do is it tackle bags, tackle, tackle, tackle. And he would make us march every day. And this is when I first looked back over um, aff affirmations and you know positive yeah. affirmations. Yeah, yeah. We would make us chant every time we'd run in or do it. We love defending, we love defending, we love defending, right? And we would train on a Monday night, a Tuesday night, we love defending. So when the game came, naturally all of us would just say we love defending. And what was odd... If we ever got a new player to the team and they'd start playing on, on the park on a sun, on a Saturday and say they dropped the ball and they would go and go, go crazy, we would all like we'd all turn on this player, like, no, no, that's not how we do it in this team. We actually love defending. And some of them would just look at us as if like you guys are absolutely insane. So the the point I'm making there though is the power of the mind yeah. is just phenomenal. And it just, and it we, just we, we overachieved. We overachieved. We had a team of Shall I say misfits? Yeah, thanks, um, yeah. yeah, Leon being a leader of it, and but, <laughs> but, we used to play teams of stars, which team players went on to play professional, this and the other. But we beat them all because we was a team. We wasn't an individual, and we built yeah. on we build on teams. So that's how it started. So you were, what you were doing there? There's a lot of science behind what you were doing there. You were just well ahead of, of understanding the science behind it. You you kind of went and did it without knowing it, and you were tapping into collective flow states and rewiring myelin inside people's brains. So the thing is, the, the more you go and do something, the more our brains get hardwired for that to be the new norm. Because as humans, we and our brains normalize and neuroplasticity is this thing where our brains are continually changing they're not this static thing they're continually changing we can rewire ourselves to see a particular scenario as as good when we used to see it as bad it just takes repetition and it's it comes down to these little little molecules called myelin that wrap themselves around neurotransmitters inside our brains and the more we go down a particular path 
the more myelin that gets wrapped around that neurotransmitter. Yeah. And that makes it much more efficient compared to the old one. And over time, so what you were doing there is you were rewiring all these guys' brains to be loving defense when they used to hate defense. And then you were getting them all into these collective flow states where they're all in this, this space together. And, and you, you saw the results of it. There's so much science behind it, but you were, you were well ahead of your time using these tactics. So needs 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 to be more on this, don't we, Paul? And I think and I think given you know the whole idea of this podcast is if anyone's listening, we urge people just just to explore the mind and what it's capable yeah. of doing and changing that sort of state. And linking it back onto this, I love this question, and it's going to be a good one for that actually. Um, <laughs> what purchase of fifty pound or less um, in the past six months has most positively impacted your life? Would that be eighty dollars? I don't know. What's fifty? Oh, probably about five thousand Australian dollars at the moment. <laughs> Have <laughs> you got ninety dollars? I think it'll be about ninety dollars. Oh, good question. Um, oh, 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 we're gonna have to edit this bit here because I'm just giving me a minute to think. <laughs> what, <laughs> what is the best thing that I've purchased for a hundred bucks in the past six months? Ay, ay, ay. Clogs are ticking. Clogs are ticking, aren't they? It is. I mean, Paul, just linking back, you know, you know I've just purchased recently, Paul. I'll, I'll give you this. I've got these new headphones. Oh, yeah. I have meetings on, but but I've got my little Apple AirPods and stuff, which are all great. 56 hours, these babies. 56 hours. Oh, yeah. And noise cancelling. Just amazing. That, that, 36, 36 quid. 36 quid. Yeah, right. you know, oh, yeah. Come on, Paul, you must have some. 50 pounds in the last six months. Yeah, I'm trying to think. You've got me now. <laughs> I'm looking around for something that I've purchased. I haven't actually purchased too much in the last six months, to be honest. I um, haven't. Um, I, I bought a pair of trainers, but I dare tell you on camera because they're ridding me cupboard because my wife goes, buy me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I should have prepared better for that question. So, um, I actually don't know. Uh, it's something that I bought for less than 50 bucks recently is, and this is in, in the, and it's not my most favorite thing, but it's awesome. I love it is this little wristband here that I wear and you might not be able to see it there. But, uh, if yeah. I take it off, it's got, it's, it's kind of coated in different things. And on one side, there's this white pocket here. And on the other side, there's this black circle here. And inside both of these pockets inside the white one is a little drop of water from the top of Mount Everest, right? Whoa. In the, in the black one on the other side is a little piece of mud from the bottom of the Dead Sea. And so to me, it's this continual reminder that we always have ups and we always have downs. And the downs can be incredibly low and the highs can be incredibly high. And so it might not be an amazing big purchase, but for me, it's just this reminder that's here all the time that even, even when I'm in the lowest of lows, when I'm in the bottom of the Dead Sea, I'll still get back to these times when I'll, I'll get back to the bottom of the top of Mount Everest. And, and there's the life is like that. We need that variance in things to be able to make it fun, to make it trivial. Yeah, I, love and to, I love it. Uh, and, you know, I love Paul. I and mean, we're, de we're definitely not going to edit that out now because when, when, he, <laughs> when he got himself present again, he nailed it, didn't he? That's exactly what that question is designed to be. Um, and, yeah. I think, and I think, and, it, and it's interesting why we love that sort of question is, um, the reason we sort of push on that one is, a lot of the time, some of the most enjoyable things, like for me, one of my favourite purchases I purchase every year is my journal. Um, yeah. it's one, of my, yeah. one of my favorite things I ever, I, I always yeah. purchase. And a lot of the things that we purchase don't always need to cost that much money, do they? Right. That's the same yeah. thing. Um, and my journal and a pen, I buy five or six of them a year and love them. 
I'm always liking to learn. What's your weapon of choice? My weapon of choice at the minute, I'm, I'm just a massive fan of the, um, what's it called? Electrum 1917, a very specific. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what, what is it? You, what, what heat are you packing? Our local office supply store out here. It's the standard one. And if you can see over behind me, I've got maybe 20 of them on the shelf over there. They're all pre-filled in. But it's the same one. I have two. I have a blue one and a black one. My black one is my journal and my blue one is my note taking during the day. Yeah. And, uh, and then I just have this specific pen that I use for everything, which is a very boring Unibel, but it uh, it makes me write the easiest. And I've gone through about 30 of this pen over the past couple of years. Yeah, and I think I think just sort of exploring that, um, well, I think Paul's gone to go get himself a drink in between. Um, <laughs> it, um, I think I just want to explore a little bit. You're, you're very big on um, systems and process. Yeah. It, yeah. Um, and where, where does that sort of drive come from? Have you always, was you always born? Well, I never, never used to have it. I, I needed it. Uh, so back many, many years ago, 15, 20 years ago, when I was first starting out in the business world, I had zero, I, I didn't even understand the importance of systems and the importance of processes. And uh, and with a, a brain that's that, that runs the, the crazy speed that mine runs, just stuff got messy. <laughs> Life got messy. And... Uh, and during my my journey in my MSP, my managed service provider, we got to this point where just the entire business was inside my head. And we had a team of people out there, but I got to this point where I just went, I'm not running a business here. I'm running a high paid job or not even a high paid job, kind of a middle paid job uh, here. And it's not a business. And for me to create a business, I had to get all of this process and this stuff out of my head and into some sort of thing. And and in my business, we went through this big transition period where we went from nothing and everything being in this head of Nigel so that every single little thing that happened in our business had to be run through me or had to people had to ask me because i knew about it to the point where when i sold my business i was only needed in it three to five sometimes maybe 10 hours a week and we were turning over a very decent income at that point in time for ourselves and uh, the business ran mostly without me because i had a good team of people and 1100 odd sops in the business that helped the guys understand how to run all the little nuances of the parts of it and so i got all of that stuff out of my head and seen the benefits of it and so nowadays I have a process for how to buy a t-shirt so that I know every single time I buy t-shirts, I hand it across to my assistant and she goes and buys five, another five pack or another 10 pack or whatever it is. And I systemize so many things in my business because I know the more I get them out of my head, the more I can focus on high value stuff, high value thoughts, high value strategy, high value impact to the world. And uh, it might sound very boring wearing the same shirt and having someone else buy your shirts for you. But for me, that kind of stuff is not important to me. Important to me is creating a bigger impact in the world and, and getting rid of little things like that by creating a process for it allows me to create that bigger impact. And I think, and I think the reason I was, I was, I was digging on that is I, I've, um, I've, I've always taken notes and journaled. And the reason I do it is um, I'm classed as what you call dyslexic. So I can't spell, I can't do certain things. And it was just a, a doctor that said it to me years ago. He said, if you've got that attitude, you'll never do it. So he said, I want yeah. you to go a real nice notebook and a real nice pen. And so you force yourself to write a page a day. Awesome. And that's what I've done for years. But interestingly, um, I've been a big fan of SOPs and things. Um, but some of that really changed recently um, was I, I downloaded your um, brain extension. In, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. In OneNote. And I'm a, obviously, I'm a Google fanboy, aren't I? Um, you know, we're, we're running this proper software at the minute, Google. Um, <laughs> we're an MSP that does proper software, even though Scott still loves Microsoft. And I do love Microsoft. I'm using a surface book. So I, I'm being facetious. But I think the main point I'm making is I love tech um, that's in any shape or form. And, I, and for me, I've always used Evernote 
and um, I go one of these surfaces. I'm carrying an iPad. I'm carrying all these different. I've always used a Mac. And then um, Scott sort of challenged me and said, um, "We're always changing people. I think you should have one of these new surfaces um, with a pen and all the rest of it, and drop your Mac and all this other stuff." And I'm like completely freaking out. Okay. No, let's go with it. And I've been using the OneNote extension and the Brain extension that you 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 put in there. And it, all it is is like five like sort of tweaks from what I was doing. But I just feel so free, um, yeah. you know, and just writing stuff down, scanning my notebooks in, so you can. Oh, well. and, yeah. and I think I think, I, I think it's a big power um, in getting things out of your head onto paper. Yes. And yeah, yeah. I think. Yeah, See, know. I think better on paper than I do up in here, <laughs> up in my head. I think yeah, far better on paper than up in my head, and I, I solve most of my big challenges in my journal rather than outside of it in my head. Because when it's in my head, there's millions other, of other thoughts hitting it. And what happens when I'm journaling every day is I'm forced to slow down because I can't write as fast as I think. And so I'm forced to slow down as I'm writing out my challenges or I'm writing out what's going on in the world at the moment or writing out, talking about opportunities. And my brain thinks at a different speed, a speed that makes me solve these problems rather than get overtaken by all these other crazy thoughts that are going on in my head. And for me, that's huge. That The process of just that, that tactful writing with a hand rather than typing it into a computer or anything where there's distractions, just that thing. And I'm sure you feel the same thing, Leon, is there's just power in the pen and paper. There's oh, huge power in the pen and paper. And uh, Bolt, we were just linking there while you, you went off for, for a drink. Uh, I thought I'd dig Nigel on his, on his on his love for process if it, if it was natural to him. Um, but we'll end it, it won't. Um, I think no. back, um, let's hit him with the next question because like, this is always my favourite question, this one, Paul. Right, Nigel, do you have a lesson from a failure of yours? Do I have a lesson from a failure of mine? I have built a business on showing, teaching people the, the lessons from the failures of mine. So I have many, many, many of them, of which you've probably seen a lot of and been exposed to a lot of, Leon. But if we look at the, let's say, the macro perspective, um, and, and especially the environment that we're in at the moment with this crazy global crisis, I think um, the biggest lesson was the one I alluded to before is that when I first started going through challenges in my life, I went through them very deeply and I got worried about and I and I stressed and I was anxious about all of the different things that happened uh, to me that I had no control over. And so my biggest lesson, I think, in life that I have learned is to to just step back and know that I can only be I can only care about the stuff that I can control and that I can only I can only care about the stuff that I can put in and I can only care about the action that I take. Everything else that happens to me that's at a macro level doesn't matter. I roll with the punches and uh, I think it was, I'm pretty sure it was Charles Darwin that said it, that it's not really the, the fittest that survive. It's those that can most adapt that survive in a species. And so to me, that, that's that lesson is imparted in that, that's, that saying there is that the, the more we can adapt and just roll with the punches and go with what's flowing and, uh, and keep looking after this, this gray squishy blob up in between our mind, uh, I'm sorry, up in between our ears, the easier we'll get through life. And I guess that, that leads into, if you were asking, to ask me what that lesson means in a tactical sense is look after our brains because everything else outside of that is um, kind of comes back to whether we've got a healthy mindset or not. And I had no clue that there was a, the difference between a, a healthy mindset and a non-healthy mindset 15 years ago. No clue whatsoever. It took me a long time to kind of open up to that. And so I think all of that, to wrap it all back up into a lesson is, is that if you're in a spot of struggle or you're you're in a place where you might not be seeing that there's a way out or whatnot, know that there there very likely is. You've just got to figure out how to work those parts of your brain that might not be 
might not be firing in the right way or there might be some chemical imbalances for some of us or there might be some some thoughts that you're allowing in that you shouldn't be allowing in that are doing this stuff and realize that you can change all this stuff you can swap from being in a space of negativity in a space of horrible horribleness and not seeing any way out to a space of love and every single thing about the world uh no matter whether it's a challenge or a or a something awesome yeah. love that. Love yeah. that. Um, and I think uh, linking in nicely, Paul, I think he might have even done one of his favourite quotes there as well. The next question what is, um, what is a favourite quote or saying Ooh. if you can share with the world? What is it and why? Oh, um, everything you've ever wanted is on the other side of fear. Love that. Yeah. It's one of, one of my love, love, because every single time I, I look at anything that I have, where I've levelled up in life in a particular area or I've, I've improved in something, it's always been something that I've initially been scared of. And so, and I've always gone and I've probably for, for too long, every time I sit back and I go, oh, I'm scared of this thing and I'll step away from it because that's our, our reptilian part of our brain making a step away from danger. But then I've, over the years, I've realized that when I spot something that starts to scare the crap out of me, instead of retreating from it, my default mode now is to walk towards it and look at it and go, why is this scaring the crap out of me? What can I do to, to get over it and to, to, to learn through it? Because I know that I'm going to come out the other side a far better person because for me when we overcome our fears that's when we add a little bit of of character to ourselves that's when we learn a little bit that's when we get our best lessons and uh and so to me that opportunity on the opportunity is on the other side of fear or everything you've ever wanted is on the other side of fear is huge for me and i now my my mindset now is to look around and figure out all right what am i scared of next is it writing a book for instance which i had to knock out a year and a, a year or so ago is it speaking on a stage, which I knocked out recently, I did a closing keynote and that scared the living bejeepers out of me. That was something that I thought I would never, ever, ever do. But uh, I had an opportunity to walk towards it and came out the other side knowing that I had grown and it gave me this greater confidence around what other things I can do in the world now and what other what other challenges I can tackle. The, the, for me, I can now tackle bigger challenges because it's given me that confidence because I knocked that domino over to go and figure out what a bigger domino is that can have a far bigger impact out in the world. And I, think, and I think I absolutely love that, that you, Paul, in terms of yeah, everything on the you know the other side of fear. And I think interestingly, where you look to that is we have a big saying with the man, you know, the man club, the work we do there is um, you know, when we was we was alluding to the, the sort of the way the questions are sort of derived. And you know, when a guy steps through that door, um, it's one of the scariest things he does, um, for multiple reasons. Um, and a couple of a couple of reasons around that is he, um He's stepping up and saying, I've got a challenge with my mental health. You know, yeah. I'm not right with this, you know, this, this gray squishy thing that like you were mentioning inside my brain. And I can't figure it out and I need some help. Yeah. Um, and I always think it's one of the most bravest things that anyone can 100%. do. It's the most courageous. Um, yeah. You end up and saying, I've got a problem, is stepping through that, you know, we call it the terror barrier, you know, from it not. Right. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, linking back to that, I think, you know, we was mentioning, you know, a bit of, hey, you, you You've unfortunately been through that tragedy that a suicide brings within a family. You know, yeah. Andy's mother was set up so that no family have to experience that. And um, and you, you mentioned, you know, just talk a little bit about that. And you know, if we can share a little bit of knowledge and just try and help, you know, other people in that sort of scenario. Yeah. So I, I, my background is I, I struggled with mental health back about. It was a period where I went through a dark phase about ten years ago. And uh, it was just after I'd started my business and I uh, went through all of this stuff. And uh, but then a few years after that, one of my very close friends, a friend that, that myself and my family, my brothers had all grown up with. We used to call him how brother from another mother. Uh, he tragically took his own life from mental illness. And uh, we kind of knew that he was struggling with things. But but 
we weren't as aware as what we are now. And we, there was no spotlight on this stuff like there is now for even him to have a space to know that he could talk about it. And, um, and that, that saddens the hell out of me. And so that's why one of my big things that I push for is just at least talking about mental illness, because the more we shine a spotlight on it, the less it has power over all of us. And the more we shine a spotlight on it in front of other people, the more they can feel confident to take that ridiculously courageous step to get out and say, oh crap, yeah, that's me. <laughs> I need some help, please. Let's just have a talk about it. And what you find most of the time, and I'm not saying all of the time because there's certain things where sometimes there's chemical imbalances and, and whatnot, but I find that a lot of the time, just talking about these things just reduces yeah. the level of their, their power tenfold. And, and that's what we need to have more of in society is just talking about this stuff, getting out there and talking about it. Because I suspect if, if we were as aware as what we are now as a society back when my friend was struggling with this, and if he was in circles where we were talking about it like we do nowadays, he would have perhaps had a different journey. And he might've been able to, to put his hand up and say, hey, I need help. But uh, unfortunately, it was just back then, it wasn't as, wasn't as open as it is now. And, uh, and so to me, that's, that's kind of part of my personal journey that wrapped it, wrapped it up and kind of solidified that, yeah, this is something that a lot of us struggle with. 10 years, or 10 years ago, 12 years ago, I had no idea what mental health was. I had no idea that I would be affected by it, that I would have friends that were affected by it. And now I, I kind of feel like all of us have our challenges, right? Every one of us yeah. has our challenges. We all have these, these different ebbs and flows in life. And sometimes we go, can go to some dark places. And, uh, and now the more we converse about that and the more we, we spread the message that it's okay to talk, that it's okay to come and chat to someone. There is no, you're not a worse person if you go and tell someone that you, you've got some problems, you're actually a better person because you've, you've stepped across that line and, and, um, and, and had the courage to go and talk about this crazy stuff. It's, it's not a, it's not this thing like, ah, you, you've got mental health problems. Let's, I'm going to steer clear of you because you're kind of the, the per, a person I don't want to be around for whatever reason it is that's gone now, which is great. And I think it's, the more and more and more we're able to do that and shine that spotlight on things, the more and more we're going to reduce mental health issues in the world. And we're going to, we're going to get through them faster and thicker so that people can get out there and step into purpose and do things that are incredibly amazing in the world, rather than being struck by this, this affliction that strikes, strikes so many of us humans. And I think, we are, I think we, are, we are breaking down the stigmas out. We slowly, but, yeah. Um, there's three main stigma, stigmas, burden, weakness, and embarrassment. And that, I think that's why a lot of men didn't talk. And I think we said off air, um, I went through this similar about 10 years ago. And we didn't, I, I was the um, biggest joker in the party. I, I'd be the first on the list because Paul will dance on tables. Paul will do this that, and the other. <laughs> but basically, I was dying inside. And yeah. Yeah, yeah. it it took me to open up one day at a barbecue and there was 24 of us rugby guys, big tough lads as, as we're supposed to be and it took me to open up and we discovered three or four of the other lads was yeah. um, suffering as well but we just talked about girlfriends, football rugby, we have a laugh yeah. and a joke but we didn't actually ask how we all was and I think that's give us a passion and a and a way forward because if, if rugby lags and boxing guys or whatever big tough guy anybody can come out and talk about it yeah. and you're not a burden and it's not a weakness and you don't need to be embarrassed about it um, and, and I think breaking down those stigmas and I think Paul what you mentioned there is and, it, and it's that word you mentioned Nigel you know um, 
it's a tragedy that there wasn't more places for your friend to go talk. And, you know, I'd, we, we had a rugby coach who tragically took his own life, a guy called Roy Bennett, one of our rugby coaches. Um, and back then we didn't talk about it. And even Paul, Paul, you were suicidal and, and you you spoke about it. But back then, even when Paul spoke about it, we spoke about about a bit of a level and then we left Paul to go to you know, go do his own thing. And we sort of still, even though we supported you, we didn't really, we, we'd go get have a beer and us supporting you was not to talk about it. And that's what we sort of did. And it was it was only when we, we the idea of Andy's Man Club came up. Um, and I just asked Paul to help me. I knew Paul was su- suffering back then, but I still didn't want to talk about it. And I still didn't know what to say. And all I said was, at the side of the rugby pitch, will you help me do this club? So back to the, the question which I mentioned earlier about process. Paul is Mr. Process, Nigel. You know, he loves process. So I was like, I've got this crazy idea that I'm going to help Andy's Man Club. They don't want none of the technology, but they want me to run a club, which means we need to be organised. And, and who do I need? So I called a couple of the old rugby guys together, all with a different skill. And Paul was there, Mr. Process, setting the club. But I think what we learn and, and, and kicking back why we, we do need to spread this message is seeing guys walk through that door. Paul, you sharing your own story that you've shared has then empowered you to go share it some more. And we always have a real simple, it's a real simple business ethos. And I've really struggled with it, Nigel, to be honest, because I've always wanted to do more and do different stuff. So, so Luke, who runs Andy's Man Club, you know, the founder of it all, our vision is really simple. Um, to get men talking so that no family has to go through the, the pain that a suicide brings. But ultimately, we just ask five questions. And believe it or not, Nigel, I sit there and listen, right? And the power comes from that guy talking. And, and yeah. I, you can't put a power on it, can you? And we need... We need an Andy's Man Club in Australia. We need women's club. We need. We just need to do more, don't we, all over? Yeah. yeah. And I think, hopefully, you know, one guy might, might be listening to this. Um, Andy's Man Club's still on. Um, we, we're doing it digitally now. But I think, <laughs> like, like, like Nigel's saying, is we've got to talk, haven't we, Pop? Got to talk. Got to talk. Uh, we've got to communicate. And like we say with the five questions, what we do every Monday night, there might only be five simple questions, but the conversation provoking questions. And if I get a new guy come through the door on a Monday night and say, look, I don't want to talk. I've just come to see what Andy's Man Club's about. So I always tend to get him sit on the right-hand side of me. So And I start on the left. And when that guy sees the ball go and he sees people opening up, opening up and he sees them, they've got similar issues to him and they're talking about it. By the time the ball gets round to him, he'll talk. So yeah. 10, 10 minutes previous, he said, I'm not talking. I, I just want to see what it's about. 10 minutes later, when it's brown to him, he's talking. And it's because he see, he's not alone and he sees other yeah. people with a similar situation to him. And some guys might say, I think you alluded to this, Nigel, at the beginning of the podcast. Some guys, one guy sat next to me the other week and he went, well, after hearing his story, my story is not really relevant. I said, it is. It is to you. To you, so yeah. It's causing you an issue. It's it's big enough for you to come and sort it out. Don't think because he's, he's suicidal and you're not, but you're just going through depression, that yours isn't as big as his because it is. It's all relevant. And you've all, you were all here at different – and we've seen people on the journey from week one coming through the door – to six, eight months down the line, it's absolutely tremendous. And it's a reason we do what we do. And it's a reason we keep the door opening the doors every Monday night. Yeah, which so, is huge. Yeah. I love that. Love that. Um, so 
as you can tell, a big passion for us is um, going to Andy's Man Club and first and foremost talking about our own problems because it's brilliant. Um, yeah. And providing a safe space for other people. But um, in the last five years now, Joe, um, what new habit or belief has had the most profound effect on your own personal life? Ooh, the two new, the two habits are my meditation and my journaling practice. Both yeah. of them paired together, and I get both things. I get amazing things out of each of them. Uh, and a and a recent habit uh, of mine, which you can call it an indulgent habit, is uh, is surfing. And uh, I'm lucky to live on on the ocean here, and so I've got this amazing surf break out the front. And so for me, that that is saltwater therapy. Just getting out in the waves where there's no technology, there's no connection, there's the, just me and a wave and and nature is huge and so getting back to nature and away from technology and not being involved in it as much as you and i lee and we love technology like we are we are tech geeks at heart but the reality is that we're also humans and us humans need nature and we've lost our connection to nature over the last the last century i would say maybe two centuries we've lost that and so i think the two core core um habits would be that that meditation and journaling habit but also just regular connections with nature with exercise with getting out and whether that might be running around the block whether it might be taking in a bushwalk, whether it might be whatever it is. Uh, that to me is a huge one nowadays. Nigel, are you based in Sydney yourself? An hour and a half north of Sydney. All right, okay. I was in Coogee last year, uh, ah, just outside of Sydney. Nice. Yeah. And I, I renewed my wedding vows on Manly Beach. Oh, wow. Yeah, I love Manly Beach. One of my favorites. Oh, yeah. I used to surf there, surf there a couple of days a week back when I, I had my MSP. All right, right. And I think, and I think back to that point yeah. you made, getting back out in nature i think um given this current sort of epidemic um you're right I, I love technology but i have mine locked down so it kicks me off certain things and um i think i have that i'm really missing we've got like a little place out on the coast where we go um and we're not allowed to go there at the moment yeah, and I, yeah. I'm yeah it's, going there. it's tough i'm used to uh, on a friday three o'clock coming picking the kids up from school getting there there's no wi-fi there's no signal we have a rule yeah. Um, the kids have a rule for me. I'm not allowed to work there. I'm only allowed to read books. We play bingo. We've got nice. walks. Um, and, and I'm really, I, I am really, really missing that at the moment. Um, yeah, I can imagine. Getting out in nature, like you say. But I think I think there is something massively empowering. You know, even, even down to this weekend, Saturday, I consciously chose to log myself out of all my accounts. Um, yeah, and, great. Um, and I feel amazing i feel like i yeah. feel like new and i think i think these are these are challenge but this is a challenge as a, as a human problem we we love to learn don't we as um you know oh yeah we love to learn i think once you get that book you know that buzz and um, some people like to pacify themselves because they haven't realized that actually learning's where it's at but you have to pacify yourself or you read and you learn um but it's how do you how, when's enough enough magic yeah <laughs> that's the thing i think it's to me life nowadays is the more i can keep multiple things in balance the more more of a life i have and there's no such thing as perfect balance it's not possible we live in a world that's full of chaos and it chops and changes and whatnot but but just knowing that i've got a couple of core things that i that i always come back to that keep that balance of of technology versus nature and and rituals versus chaos and all of these things is just knowing that there's a balance and there's an order to things at a macro level even though the world is chaotic uh to me is is awesome yeah yeah 100 uh, right it's in the next one paul it's knowing what you know now what advice would you give yourself at 18 and what advice would you ignore uh buy bitcoin and then sell it in 2018. <laughs> 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 um what advice would i give myself um 
I would tell myself that you can do whatever the heck you want to do. You've just got to put the effort into it. And because yeah. back then I, I, I had, I, I grew up with very little self-confidence um, for many years. I was one of these, these guys that was the weedy introverted kid at school that had orange hair. So I was harassed like crazy and became the, the most picked on kid in the, in the class. And so I came out of school with, with very little confidence in being able to do things. And, uh, and it's taken many, many, many years to, to get to the level of confidence of where I can go and, and speak on a stage or speak on a podcast and whatnot. And um, so I think if, if I could figure out a way to tell my 18-year-old self to go and speed that journey up, <laughs> that would be one of the best things I would do. The, 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 the one to ignore would be um, that ignore what other people think about you. It doesn't matter. Back then, I was so focused on making sure that that everybody loved everything about what I did. And I tried to be the funny guy and I tried to be the whatever these guys just to try and get that self-confidence back then. And it meant that all of my happiness was reliant on external factors. And so I went through many, many, many years of my life just realizing that that if I wasn't getting getting praised by someone over here for something, I had to turn to other things like alcohol and even, even darker things than that to be able to get my happiness. And if I could go back and tell myself to ignore all that and forget about what people think and not care about that and just focus on becoming happy yourself and figuring out how you can find the good and the grateful stuff in the world out there sooner than what you did, uh, that would probably be the thing that I'd tell myself to avoid is, um, is just caring what other people think. Love it. I, I, mean, I love that one. Um, I'm still working on that one at the moment. Uh, <laughs> I think we all are on different um, levels. Yeah, different levels. But I think, yeah. I think that's one of the most empowering, again, um, and it's, it's, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because life's just full of roller coasters, isn't it? And I think um, oh, yeah. we, the, the, the challenge is, isn't it? And I believe we all want to collaborate. That's just human yeah. extension. Yeah. We, we were, hundreds of years ago, we were tribes, right? Yeah, like, yeah, we yeah. only lost in the last 150 years. 100%. And I think the, the, the challenge is um, how... What's good for me isn't always good for you, and vice versa. Yeah. And, and, yeah, and yeah. This, what do we say before we come on air, didn't we, Paul? What was we, we, we were sort of saying this um, is I have a sort of saying which I'm trying to make a bit more positive. Um, no one can let you down, can they? You, you put the trust in someone else to let you down. Um, so, and, and 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 sometimes you can view things as being let down or things not going that way. But it's back to that word what you mentioned earlier. You just give me a thought in terms of. Control you can control because you can't control other people. It's just it's yeah. just not going to happen. And, and yeah, he's trying to keep on that sort of path in it. Um, <laughs> it's it's, it's uh, yeah, it's yeah, not- it's, a, it's a journey. And and you mentioned the the roller coaster. What I've learned and what I'm discovering more and more and more is life is actually not like a traditional roller coaster. Because a traditional roller coaster, we start at a certain level and we go up and we go down and we go up and we go down and we go up and we go down and we have these thrills and these these horrible times and we come back to the exact same level. But life is not like that because it misses in life. We learn lessons as we go through each up and down. And so for me, life is like a never ending roller coaster where it's going up and up and up and up and up in a certain direction, but there's ups and downs through that process, but it never, ever, ever gets back to the spot where it was originally because we, we can't unlearn the lessons and we can't unlearn the, the challenges that we've been through. We can't, we can't, they don't disappear. They, they stick with us forever and they become parts of our character. So we're always continually building on things. So it's not, if that makes sense, it's not to me. Life is not a journey like a traditional roller coaster. We end up straight back in ground zero. We don't. We end up back at. We end up always moving forward with all these these lessons and these insights and these 
these learnings and this awesome stuff that we've got inside our psyche now that's now part of us. And uh, and to me, that's what life is. It's just continual learning, continually evolving, continual becoming a better human, continual facing the different challenges that we get. And I see that as we go through life, sometimes we get with even hit with even bigger challenges. But because we've we've learned all the lessons from the last ones, we now can face those challenges with a different different fever and a different um, different energy level towards them. And he's, right. he's, he's, he's linked nicely there, isn't he? On to the next question, isn't he, Pop? Next question. <laughs> we all at times feel bent out, unfocused, unenergized, overwhelmed. What do you do? And if helpful, what questions do you ask yourself? Ooh, great question. Uh, and so this this happened to me just, I'm going to say maybe four weeks ago. I got into this mode where I was just going, ah, oh, like I can't get past this stage. And and nowadays, I, because I'm, I'm fairly aware of, of when I get myself into those states now in that I, I now know that if I try and keep pushing against the thing, I will not push through. So I have to now change my state. And that might mean that I've got to, if I'm sitting in the office and I've been trying to work on this thing for hours and I'm, I'm just going further and further and further down a rabbit hole and I'm, I'm getting frustrated and angry and anxious and, and depressed on this particular thing, then I can't keep attacking it. I have to get to a point where I go, all right, time to stop, go and reset. If that means going out for a walk, if it means having a cold shower, if it means going and doing a workout, if it means jumping on the phone with someone, if it means whatever it is, I just have to go and change that state. Because sometimes, for me at least, if I stick too long on something that I'm, and I start getting into that, that kind of vortex of negativity, it will just continue. And so nowadays, my, my default rule is that once I pick myself up and go, ah, like you can tell you're starting to go down this rabbit hole here, I immediately change state. And I immediately go, go and do something else, whatever. Typically, I've got to do a physical state change. I can't do it 100% emotionally all the time yet. Um, I'm, I think Tony Robbins is probably the only person in the world that can do that on a dime like this. But for the rest of us, we some often need some sort of physical state change. And, and that might, for me, it might be jumping out in the ocean or it might mean doing a quick run around the block. Or as I said, it might mean talking to someone. Right then, who in the world would you like to interview Post or present, and why? Ooh, great question. Uh, I would love to interview a guy called Marcus Lemonis. He is a uh, an American. Uh, he, he's the CEO of Camping World over in America, and um, and then he he also has this TV show. It's kind of reality TV show, which I can't stand reality TV shows, but I I look past the reality side of it to the lessons. And he's a, a, an entrepreneur that goes and invests in lots of other businesses. And he's got this, this brilliant business mind to be able to go in and, and turn businesses around. And then he's got this brilliant people process where he's able to go and figure out who's the best person to, to suit different things and how to, how to talk to people different ways and how to negotiate with people in different ways and how to bring different people all together. And I'd love to interview him just to understand what got him to the point of being able to make amazing judgment calls on people and judgment calls on businesses to the level that he does now. And I suspect I probably know the answer. It's just lots of repetition and lots of being out there and doing it. But I'd love to just grill him on a few things and um, and yeah. just understand a little bit more about how his psyche works out there and how he he got himself to the level where he he sees these opportunities and he sees these these things in people and he knows how to how to get the best out of people and how to see help people see the best in themselves as well. That, the one golden nugget that changes everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that. Um, and to, we, we, we're done. We're nearly done. It's the last question. Oh, yeah. um, is there anything we, we um, should have asked you, but we didn't? Good question. Again, you guys hit me with the hard ones. 
normally it's um when I'm getting interviewed, it's simple things like when did you start out and what did you do? But these ones are the tough ones. Um, what's a question you guys did not ask me? I think you guys asked me a, a great bunch of questions. I can't think of one off the top of my head. That's good. We're yeah, good. Oh, I'm going to let you yeah. down on that one and, and be the boring guy that says, I can't, I can't think of one. And I, and I think to sort of wrap up, um, obviously, you've been a great guest. It's been an absolute um, privilege to have you on, and thank you for your time. Um, thank you. How, how, can, how can more people find out about you? Um, you know, where, where should they check you out? Oh, um, if you want to connect with me, you can find me on Facebook. Um, just search for Nigel Moore on Facebook and look for the guy that's, I think I'm wearing a green hat or something at the moment. Or um, if you are if you run an IT support company, you can come and check out what we do at thetechtribe.com. Uh, that's a, a community that I run for, for MSPs and IT service providers all around the world. Uh, but, and my, my personal site is nigel.me, but there ain't much on there. <laughs> good, good. And I, I think, um, knowing what you do, Nigel, um, I, I recommend any, you know, I, I'm going to say this, any of the competition out there, um, they need, they need you in your life because we're <laughs> in trouble but now we've got you. So all good. Um, awesome. we'll, we'll wrap up on that. So that's, um, Leon checking out. Paul checking out. Thank you, Nigel, for um, accepting our invite. It's been really, really good. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you for having me on, guys. I, as you can tell, I love sharing this journey, and and I am by no means uh, going through it at a, a. I'm just going through my. I'm at my stage of my journey. We've all got our own stages of our journey, and if I want to, if I could leave with one point, is um is that I, I'm a firm believer that one of the one of the deeper root causes of some of the mental illnesses out there is comparisonitis. And, uh, and especially in the, the world of social media where we're always seeing all the best of everybody out there. And um, for me, I'm just on a journey just like the rest of you guys. We're all on our own stages of our journey. We're just at different points. Some people are in front of you. Some people are behind you. Some people are beside you. We're all at different stages. The best thing we can all do is just share the journey together, hang out, talk, have fun, live life, help our mates, help our friends, and, uh, and be helped in return. Love Thank that. Thank you. Love that. Pleasure.